ride When the amplifiers are cooled down The guitar's put away I put that pick in the hammer lane And this is what I'll say Well that road So I am here today with the one and only, the man, laid back country picker, a.k.a. Chico, a.k.a. David Prince. How are you today? Man, I am great. And I just want to take issue right now. I think you're the man. I'm not the man. <laughs> I'm here. I am here. Laid back country picker is here with the man. All right. So we've been trying to make this happen for a while. Uh, I'm glad we finally get to do it. We're recording this in the green room. Right after the Luna and the Mountain Jet set at the Honey Festival 2023 in my hometown of Jackson. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you? Man, I am great. I always love coming to Jackson. It's just such a cool little town, and the Honey Festival is always just a great event. And I usually run into you when I come to Jackson, so it's, it's a good time. Well, you know that uh, this, is my, this is my home. I love it, proud of it. And Whenever we get music out, I always try to support those musicians that come through because we don't get them very often. So, before we get into the whole laid-back thing, I want, uh, number one, as most of my listeners know, your song, Kingsport, kicks uh, every episode of this podcast off. And it yeah. actually did so pre-podcast on my old radio show uh, that I had here on WJSN in Jackson. So, number one, thank you for allowing me to use that, because uh, playing country music and treating people right, which is your words, couldn't describe what I try to do any better. So, I kind of just, just stole that. Actually, I wrote that song for you. <laughs> it was me and mine. Yeah, with you and mine. I wrote. <laughs> Somehow I don't believe you. <laughs> You're wise not to. <laughs> that probably won't be the first tall tale you tell in this interview. I hope not. Uh, so, you were in some bands, you know, throughout your, I guess, teen and early adult life before laid back. I want to talk about a couple of those real quick. Okay. Um, was it Night? What was the, what was the one? Night Train. Night Train, yes, yes. Let's talk about that. What was your what kind of music would you say that Night Train played? Was it Southern Rock? Or? Yeah, it was Southern Rock to begin with. Night Train was named after the cheap wine, the Night Train that Guns N' Roses sang about so eloquently. Yes. yes. So you know you know what you're getting just from the title. But yeah, we were a three piece band, we were a Southern Rock band, and I really just love the Georgia Satellites. That's like one of my favorite bands. Okay. Guitar driven. And so my vision for Night Train was we're just another version of the Georgia Satellites. All right. That's awesome. So uh, you obviously, in some of your songs, will write about other artists. You've obviously got a song about David Bowie. Yeah. Uh, you've got his sticker on your guitar. Uh, what would you say that when you first started playing music, were uh, bands or solo artists that maybe inspired you or, uh, you know, other than Georgia Satellites that... Uh, pick up you know a guitar and a piece of paper and pen to try to play music on your own you know it's interesting when you when you're first trying to learn to play you're just trying to figure out some chords and play them and then play other people's songs but then some people decide they want to create music and i just remember it was just such an interesting feeling to realize that it was just a clean slate and i could take some chords and some words and i could just create something all on my own mm -hmm. and it was really like if you walk up to a big you look at a canyon and you see the expanse of it and it blows your mind. And it really kind of happened to me. It's like, well, wait a minute. I can put words and stuff together and I can create ideas and thoughts that are, and I'm making something. 
it's a work of art. So, like most people, I probably wasn't too good at it in the beginning, but you know, you get a little better, hopefully, and, and you practice your craft and you listen to the people you admire and see how they ride. So when I started riding, I mean, it's pretty basic in the beginning. I, I guess me, like a lot of people from around here, I was really like Johnny Cash, and I listened to a lot of Johnny Cash stuff, and it was very simple, and I think I played guitar a lot like that, and, and listened to how Johnny would write songs. But then as I was, you know, grow and started listening to, like, Led Zeppelin, and, and there's just so many different ways to write, because I, I, I write funny stories. You know, I either see things out in the wild that I think are interesting, and I want to capture what I've seen and tell other people about it. Or maybe I want to create something. I didn't see necessarily what I wrote about, but I, I expanded on it. And then I let's take Luna, you know, from Luna the Mountain Jets, and she writes a completely different way. And her stuff is all internalized, and she writes in secret code, and you don't know what she's talking about, <laughs> but it means something to her. Right, right. But my songs are pretty, I think they're easily digested by about anybody. There's four-year-olds that think I'm just the next big thing. <laughs> so when you... Uh, write a song do you tend to have the lyrics first or the music man you know I don't or is think it just, it's, just either or it's hit or miss yeah. honestly I'll probably write music first and I, like now that we all have iPhones like I'll come up with a guitar riff and I'll record it mm -hmm. and then I'll probably get away from it a couple of days and then come back and listen to it and see if I like it then because sometimes when you write something you think oh this is great and then you listen to it three days later and it's not but a lot of times you're pleasantly surprised, and so then I'll listen to that. Like I'll cruise around in the car and listen to that music, and go, you know, what what goes with this? What yeah. story can I tell that Absolutely. goes with this melody? So yeah. that's kind of how we put it together. So let's talk about the origins of Laidback Country Picker. Uh, I've heard you tell this story before, but I'm sure there's a lot of listeners here, especially from uh, you know outside of the United States, that that don't know. Are we going overseas? 85 countries, brother. Man. <laughs> Let me set up a little straight. Uh, so, the your debut album, there's a picture of you on there just looking, and I don't mean this as insult, but kind of goofy. No, no. Cowboy hat and glasses. Well, that's my standard look. <laughs> and that picture was taken years before, a couple, several years before you came up with, you know, the laid back gimmick right absolutely and i'll just go ahead and tell you and, and you know the story but for those that don't there's a picture before there's anything yeah i was touring with a guy named rob McNerlin, and we were out we had been out west and we were coming through texas and we stopped in texas for a gig on the fourth of july and it's late at night and there was a lot of bottle rockets being shot off and we had been up a long time and Teresa, my wife just took a photograph of me that evening and so we, you know, we get to looking at it and go, man, that is a really interesting picture because I do. I got a big cowboy hat on, got some sideburns going. I look like I've been up three or four days. And we just said, that guy looks like a laid back country picker after the Wayland song. Yes. And so we would just talk about that picture. And the more we talked about it, the more it just turned into a character. Well, laid back country picker this or laid back country picker that. So I made a MySpace page for laid back country picker. And there still had nothing going on. But then my daughter talked me into putting it on a t-shirt. So I got the image put on a shirt. I thought it was kind of funny. I showed it to Tyler Childers and he thought it was really awesome. So he started wearing that shirt with that picture on it. And all of a sudden people wanted to buy it. So I went and made like 10 of them. And I thought, well, there, I just wasted money here. I'm never going to do anything with those. But I sold them pretty quick. And I realized there's like this little movement going for this way back country picker. 
So I thought, well, people are buying the shirt. I probably need to make an album real quick and act like I'm the laid-back country picker. And really, the, the shirt in the picture comes before anything else. Strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, right? you got to. Sold yeah. 10 shirts and you made an album. I sold 10 shirts. I made a record. And, and we made it with Kenny Miles down at Fat Baby Studio. And, you know, we ran off. In fact, in the beginning, I think I was just spinning off CDs from the computer. But then, you know, I saw there was a market, and, and I took advantage I'm of it. I'm happy to have one of those CDs, man. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, so let's, I want to talk about, you've got three albums out under the laid back, you know, uh, name as of now, correct? That's right. So uh, we'll talk, I'd like to talk just briefly about all three of them. Obviously, we'll start at the beginning of the self-titled. Uh, I guess it, I guess it's been out, what now, six, six, six years? years? Yeah, that's six. Yeah. And uh, it's got some fantastic songs. Obviously, you know, Thank your you. first, uh, you know, you made some videos, too, up on YouTube that I think really helped get your name out there because they were just, you know, funny. And uh, and uh, you've got McGoffin County Cadillac, obviously. So Absolutely. That everybody probably knows, uh, that, that knows of you. And let's talk about, you know, we just mentioned that we're going from other countries. Let's explain exactly what a McGoffin County Cadillac is to our folks that may not be, uh, up, may not know. Well, I live in Lawrence County, Kentucky, and our neighboring county is McGoffin County, Kentucky. And in McGoffin County, there's a lot of guys that work uh, union labor jobs, and they have to drive maybe 100 miles a day to go back and forth to their job site. So they discovered that you can go to the police auction and buy these old decommissioned police cars, and you can get them pretty cheap, and they're still fine automobiles. So those guys would buy those and put all their buddies in the back and drive back and forth to work. And so they kind of got the name, the McGoffin County Cadillac. You know, they would, they still look like cop cars, and they would freak people out because they get behind them and think, oh, gosh, the law's getting ready to pull me over. And it just became like a, a running joke that anytime you go to McGoffin County, you're going to see a McGoffin County Cadillac. Right. Well, it's not a joke. It's a fact. I mean, they're just there in mass. We just drove through there today, and I saw at least two of them. Absolutely. So they're there. It's funny because my daughter Natalie uh, and, my, and you know, my wife Dixie, when we're ever on a road trip, if we see old Crown Vic, we immediately, we've got a game to see the first one can spot it and shout out McGoffin County Cadillac. Oh, how cool. Uh, and there's one more song on there that I want to touch base with because it's it's really interesting, especially for folks, even in this area that's not very old, called Party Line. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it, you know, a Party Line, and I'll let you describe it better, but, it, but back in the day, if you lived up like a little hollow with maybe 10 or 15 houses, you could get on there and hear anybody talking, man, that had a phone up that hollow, right? Brian, have you done that before? Oh, yeah, man. I used to play tricks with my granny. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, uh, talk about that real quick. You know, we lived in an area that, which is underwater now because the government built a dam there and ran us all off. But before they did that, when they ran the phone lines, it's just like you said, it was a very rural area. And they ran one phone line, and they would hook multiple families up to that same line. And the way the technology was then... If someone got a phone call, your phone would ring. Mm -hmm. And if you were very covert about it, you could pick up the phone and listen in on their phone conversations. And everyone said they didn't do it, but everybody did it. And everyone's listening on everyone else's phone line. Plus, when you're on the line, nobody else on that line can make a phone call. So you got everything tied up. And, you know, there was a girl I used to talk to on the phone all the time, and we would make these big, long phone calls that we knew were being listened to, and we would make up the most horrific lies about stuff just to see if the neighbors would listen to it. Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've touched it. i played tricks on my granny. Basically, I created a, an entire persona, and I was probably maybe 10, called Big Jim that was like a raging alcoholic. And he would, and I would get on there, 
has Big Jim and just say the craziest stuff ever was, man. Big Jim drinking cheap liquor? Yeah, or? yeah, I guess that night train stuff. I mean, that's probably what he did. <laughs> uh, one more before we move on. Actually, we'll, we'll talk about the song Bowie on here. Okay. Obviously, it's named after David Bowie, then, you know, you and his personas, Iggy Stardust, Spider Mars, Thin White Duke. But right. My, one of my favorite lines that you've ever written is, you know, it could be worse. You could be dating a nurse that works <laughs> the night shift at the nervous hospital. <laughs> How did that line come up to you, man? Well, I always tell the story that we were driving through western West Virginia when I wrote that. And there is. there's In the city of western West Virginia is an old abandoned state hospital. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people call those a nervous hospital. Yeah, that's exactly and, what they and, called them when I was growing up. And I just thought about that as we were traveling through West and, and uh, you know, I don't know how I managed to get that whole role out, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it came. You know, when you talk about songwriting, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, a lot of times I do what I say, I put my antenna up, and I'm just listening for things, and I'm sure that I, I borrowed some of that line from somewhere that somebody said something, but it could be worse, you could be dating a nurse that works at night shift at the nervous hospital. How much worse could it get, really? Pretty bad. Man. That's pretty doggone bad. <laughs> but I'll play that funny thing, Brad, I'll play that song out. And there'll be some nurses come up there and they say, that's me. I work the night shift at the nervous hospital. And they're just proud as punch. And God bless them. Yeah. So before we move on to this uh, album, and I uh, I want to shout out your website real quick. It's laid back, and it's not .com. It's uh, .org. Yeah, it's .org. Yeah, like but let me tell you. Like, <laughs> I got a little money ahead, and I bought the .com transfer. So uh -oh. if you punch in .com, it awesome. still gets you there. But you can go on, buy his merch. Uh by the CD of his, of his, you know, the album we're talking about, the self-titled debut, and the other two albums we're talking about in a minute, Kingsport and Go West, are on vinyl. Uh, highly, highly recommend that you get on there and, and get you some laid-back merch. Uh, I recommend it too. I think that you reprinted those shirts we mentioned earlier uh, this year. If you've got any, I don't know if they're sold well, out already again or what. You know, I tell you what we did. We kind of had to do a little bit different design because I can't get that exact shirt made anymore. So we put out kind of a, an updated version of it, and we've about sold all yeah, that. Yeah, too. but there's just a few left, so you better hop on that quick. But that brings me to my qu last question about the, de uh, the debut album. Is there any plans at all to issue it on vinyl? You're, <laughs> you're not the first person to ask me that. And do you think people would buy it? Hell yeah. Would they? <laughs> Absolutely they would. Would you buy man. it? I'd buy three copies. Three. Write that down. Let's go ahead and put him down for three. <laughs> you know, it, one thing that's so aggravating, and hopefully that's getting better now, is to get vinyl pressed, it takes I so know. long. It's up to six months waiting on your vinyl to come in. Yeah. So when somebody records a record, I mean, you get all hopped about it, and you want it out there immediately, and you're you're looking at another six months before you can do anything. And you know Shady would have to have his cut. Oh, well, Shady, after, yeah, Lord knows what he'd take out of it. <laughs> but you know, Shady's a, he's a music insider. He might give me a deal. You know, I wasn't I wouldn't going to bring this up, but... One of the most surreal moments of my life was, you know, you released Kingsport on vinyl in the middle of COVID. Yeah. So to promote it, you you, you and Shady did a goat bingo <laughs> in which everybody that pre-ordered it, you all wrote their name out in the field and turned some goats loose. And whoever the goat pooped on won a big pizza from my, my dogs. That's right. And uh, and to see you, you and Shady announced live on Facebook that a goat had pooped on my name and I got a free pizza out of it. Did, you got the free pizza? Yes, I did. I went, we drove up there. And you cashed it in? Cashed it in and it was delicious. And, I, and sadly, I think Doc's, the day Actually, night they was closing about I, a week or two ago. They closed last week. That's horrible. I drove by that shop on the way here today and we were just like shed a tear because they're not open anymore. Yeah, we uh, 
the family and I drove down and hiked one weekend and got us an extra large pizza and breadsticks from oh, Docks and Founders. And uh, sadly, we can't frequent that place anymore, but we would have definitely returned had it not shut down. So let's take a really quick break, and I'll come back and we'll talk about Kingsport and Go West and whatever else we get into. How's that sound? Sounds perfect to me. Let me talk to you a minute about my good friend, John Thompson, specifically his law office located in Grayson, Kentucky. John has years of experience in all sorts of legal issues and matters, especially divorces, criminal defense, personal injury, and property situations. If you are a resident of Kentucky and you have a legal need in any of those, or any other legal need for that matter, uh, trust me when I tell you, John will get the job done. Give him a call at area code 606-475-3174. And I will tell you this has been a paid advertisement, but I have been recommending John and his legal expertise to people for years. So it's about damn time I got paid for doing it. Once again, if you need help with any legal matter, call John Thompson at 606-475-3174. All right, so let's talk about your second album, Kingsport. It was the first album that you had that you released on vinyl. And uh, I generally, you know, I love your first album, don't get me wrong, but I think you really took a big step forward on Kingsport, lyrically and musically, because, you know, you've got a couple songs on there that, and you touched earlier that you kind of, go, you know, the laid-back guy, you, you write kind of funny songs. Uh, but there's some on there that's, hit home for me especially you know the one where you talk about people from around here leaving and they only come back for christmas time yeah because anybody that grew up in this area has had you know a brother or an uncle or a sister or somebody that went north for work whether it be ohio or michigan and that you only saw them once a year after that right that's exactly right and you know the thing is brown like you said with the first record we're just trying to get something out real well quick. you sold those 10 shirts and you yeah, tried to make a little yeah. money so, man you know, I, can't I, just, blame you. I wrote some songs pretty quick and we got it out there but then i had some time to write for kingsport and you know the interesting thing about you know i like to write goofy songs and have some fun but also there's some things i want to talk about that are more serious and they only come around as one of them because i mean you're from this area i'm from this area Everybody I know has got relatives that live in Michigan or Ohio or somewhere because they went away to work because they couldn't find much going on where we live. Yeah. And when they come in, I, I just think that touches with a lot of people who, who experience the same thing I've sung about. Absolutely. You know, my, my grandparents, when I was about seven, moved to Ohio for work. My grandpa had to go up there and get a job at a prison. And I would go and see them during the summer, brother, and that it was just Thanksgiving or Christmas until they retired and moved back here. Uh, so that song really, you know, hit home for me. And you got a song on their country, Jesus. Yeah. That I really like. You know, and that's really about, uh, you know, in, in my world, I have my own country, Jesus. Absolutely. And somebody that meant a lot to me and that I look to for just how to be a better person. And I think everybody needs that. Absolutely. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Tom T. Hall song, Me and Jesus. Oh, well, a little cool. bit. Yeah. Well, I'll take that because I love Tom T. One of the all Is there a better songwriter? He's definitely top five period Absolutely. ever any genre in my opinion doesn't get, i think a lot of the you know younger people don't really realize how great he was man 
I'll tell you, just go out and spend you about $3 or 4 and buy that Tom T. Hall's Greatest That's Hits on need. CDs, and you'll figure out pretty quick oh, yeah, how to write a song. Absolutely. Uh, now, Dixie and I did an episode where we picked our favorite song of yours, and my number one favorite song that you've ever recorded and released is TV Preacher. And I'm telling you, man, the first time I heard you play this, I think you played it over at Red River Gorge before you had even released Kingsport a few years back at the Festival of the Red, and... I dang near man pulled a muscle from laughing so hard. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, that's just that song never fails to make me smile. If I'm kind of in a bad mood, I'll turn that sucker on because I know it's going to lift my spirits. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. All one. right. I think it's the closing track on there. It is. We we close the the record down with it. You know, that's a song with. And I remember I remember the night that song came to life. Teresa and I had played, I think, in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, and the place we played. They give you a little bit of money and they give you a pizza. <laughs> and they give us a box of pizza and we're driving home and Teresa's got that pizza box and she's just like making some noise and kind of beating on it. And we just started making up these lyrics that she was scratching on it like it was a scratch thing. Almost like she was like a DJ. Yeah. So yeah. we actually wrote it to her scratching on that pizza <laughs> box. And there's a couple of gigs we played out where she took a pizza box and we put a mic on it and oh, she scratched man. it. But then it kind of turned into more of a funk tune. Yeah. And and if you remember, Honey would play Shakers on it. Oh, yes. She did and it was really fun. Yes. You know, I, I was really influenced by... There's an Aerosmith record called Live Bootleg. Oh, yes. And on Live Bootleg, they do Mother Popcorn and some other James Brown song. So they're really a rock band kind of playing funk, and that's really what TV Preacher is. I mean, I'm not really a funk player, but I tried to go down that route. It's got a, you know, a funky riff. Oh, definitely, it, definitely. It, it's super funky, and you know, the lyrics are just, if you grew up when I did, <laughs> you know who Jerry Falwell is, oh, yeah. and you know who the Bakers are, and you know... Oral Roberts actually went up in the tower and I, said, "You know, if I don't get a million dollars, think I about that for a minute. I can't come down. I mean, he and he got it. He got it. Now, we're, who's the idiot here? We're in the wrong gig, man. I'm telling you what, man. <laughs> you know, I, I can go in a treehouse and ask for thirty dollars, and nobody'd give me any money. They probably pay million. you to stay up there, they man. Probably would. Teresa said she'd give you thirty not to come down. <laughs> really? <laughs> I do got a million dollars. That's genius. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's genius, all right, but I mean. Oh, it's wrong. It's wrong. Oh, a hundred times. And all those people that were sending him money probably couldn't afford to do well, so. Well, and that's exactly right, because when I was a little boy, I've seen my grandma send him money. 100%. Man, I mean, and she's on just a fixed income. Absolutely. But, you know, to, to save souls, they'll send their money in. Yeah, it's not right, man. No, it ain't. That kind of goes back to me and Jesus that we talked about, Tom T. Hall. Got we got our own thing going. We don't need a TV preacher to tell us what it's all about, right? Ain't that the fact. Man, you should be a songwriter. <laughs> no. You got this figured out. So, let's... Uh, let's move on to the newest album and this album has really taken you to new places not just you know physically in venues that you've played over the summer in states and cities but you finally got online with it I did went digital I went you sold online. out I sold out brother I'm not going to lie about it <laughs> I'll never forget uh, the day you put it out digitally I was uh, it was Friday I think and I was really tired from work I'll from time to time just get on the iTunes charts just to see what the people are, you know, are listening to. And I pull up the country charts and it I had to look three or four times, man, because there there was this, you know, I'm holding it here, the the cover art of your latest album, I think it was like at number seven or eight. And you know, Taylor Swift I think was right behind you and Luke Holmes was right above you and I was like this this can't be I thought I was hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not sure it wasn't a mass hallucination across the country. It may have not really happened. But what 
and honestly though, I'm glad you went digitally because it would it allowed a lot bigger, wider, newer audience to discover how awesome you are, man. Well, man, thank you for that. And I'll tell you the, the really the crux behind it is I really had a bad taste in my mouth about Spotify, and that's the hump I couldn't get over. I thought with iTunes you're going to make your money, whatever. But Spotify to me was such a ripoff because yeah. you get such a small, small amount of money. How, uh, I think it's like for like each each download or each stream. What is it? I, I can't do that math. I don't. I know that yeah. for me, it's minuscule. On the podcast side, I get like a penny. Is that right? Yeah, a penny for for like uh, play. Uh, go pick out your Ferrari now. <laughs> Five bucks last month, But I'm telling you, some I've had several conversations with people, and I came to the realization if I would just think about that like terrestrial radio, it's just a way. It's an advertisement. It's a way for your music to reach people. That's right. And they're still going to buy your product. And I talked to other artists and said, "Do they really still buy your stuff?" He's like, "Oh yeah, people will buy your record." Who wouldn't have heard you had you not absolutely done this. and i went okay i'm in i'm going to completely throw everything out there and boy were they right who did the cover art for that i'm glad you it, asked it's brilliant hayden miles because there's a lot going on there hayden miles <laughs> did that and if you look there there's a, a painting called american progress and mm-hmm. it's in every u.s history book uh-huh and it shows lady liberty floating across the country I, with yeah. manifest destiny and just spreading <laughs> spreading the United States all the way, spread basically American culture across the, the country. And so that's just sort of a play on that. And Layback's taking his thing and going west. So this this album led to some crazy stuff, man. Uh, we just mentioned that you chartered on iTunes. Uh, Johnny Knoxville got a hold of you somehow, and I think he played you on Sirius XM one night, right? He did. We were driving to a gig down in Virginia. And I get a message on Instagram. It's like, hey, this is Johnny Knoxville, man. And I really <laughs> dig your song, LB's Truth, and can we play it? And I'm like, who is this? You man? thought that was a scam. Oh, yeah. Which right? one of my friends is doing this? <laughs> well, as it turns out, it was really Johnny Knoxville. And so I communicated back and forth with him, and they played it on the show. I guess his cousin, uh, Dale, Roger Dale or something. I should know his name. I'm sorry, Johnny. But they played it on his show, and Johnny proclaimed. He said, well, this is my new favorite band. Well, just those words alone. All of a sudden, I get a booking agent in California, and I'm traveling out west. That's Florida. awesome, yeah. man. Just Let, because Johnny Knoxville said that. Let's talk about that summer tour, because you all, pretty much all summer, was on the road. Uh, right off the top of my head, I know you all played Florida, Texas, uh, California. Louisiana, Arizona, uh, absolutely. We were everywhere. Who would have ever thought when you sold those 10 shirts, you know, seven, eight years ago, that you'd be playing like that, you know, no, a few no, years man. down the road, and Johnny Knoxville would be proclaiming you that you was his favorite band. I'm just that just shows you how how mixed up things can get. It's the butterfly effect, man. What's that mean? Well, you know, a butterfly flaps its wings here and it can cause an earthquake in China or some kind of crazy. Oh well, stuff. there you go. That's probably <laughs> what happened. But it is just crazy to think about just the perfect series of events that happened. Had Johnny not heard that song, had he not said that, had I not taken the picture or Teresa taking a picture of me wearing a hat, none of this happens. I'm mowing grass it's, right now. It's funny he picks that song too because that song is. Probably the longest song you've ever recorded and released. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's really a jam band type song, man. Yeah, and let me tell you, this this record is kind of a reaction to Kingsport because when I recorded Kingsport, we did it in the butcher shop. Mm-hmm. And that's where Sturgill and John Bryan, everyone records th- there. Sadly, I think it's closed too, right? Yeah, it is. So when I was working there, we worked with Dave Ferguson. Oh, yeah. You know, they just have that Nashville mindset. Like, they'll take your song and they'll go, well, why do you have this course here? Do you need that? And they just trim the fat off songs till they get it down to the leanest, 
just most succinct song you can have. And so every song you had take down there, they're probably going to cut some out of it because they say you don't need it. And I get that. I mean, they're smart about it. But when I made this record, I made it in Wattsburg, and I'm like, nobody's telling me to trim anything here. And if I want to play four minutes worth of guitar solo, I'm just going to play it. And, and, you know, and that's just how it is. So this record is almost like a reaction to Kingsport in that sense. Oh, I love this album, man. Well, I'm going to tell you, I like that record, too. Like, I, I the guitars it. are real loud on it. Yes. Uh, we mentioned off mic, you know, the song Cooper in the video for it. I love that. I love the shirt you put out, too, where you had the Alice Cooper type eye paint going on oh, and whatnot. Yeah. I had to buy myself one of those. Uh, the eye paint? Yeah, I know the shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to see you all about Alice you, Cooper, though. And you name check different Coopers in there. Uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. Uh, Cooper's Department Store. Let me tell you, there's six words in that entire song. I know. Just repeat it over and over for, what, like four minutes? See, yeah, minutes. and there's, there's a side of me that goes, well, can you really write a four-minute song with six words in it and people <laughs> will still listen to it? And the answer is yes, you yeah. can. I found that out. Yeah. Uh, Magic City. Love that one. Thank you, man. I do, too. Obviously, the lead track, title track, Go West, is really great. I think my personal favorite on this is Amen, John Glenn, though. Let's is talk, that right? Yes, yes. I think that's, I had it, when I done my top ten list, and I may be, misremembering but it was the highest one i had from this album but I, I, let's talk about amen john glenn a little bit how did that song come about all right now brian i've never told anyone the story so you're going to get the truth here okay and then i'll probably change it and not tell the nope. story again all right i went to see steve earl oh okay probably a couple of years ago he played in Prestonsburg, kentucky mac at the mac yeah and he played a song uh teresa what was that song help me remember it so you want to be an outlaw and I sat there and watched him play that song, and I was floored. I thought, that is the greatest song I've ever heard, and I was so mad at myself that I didn't write that song. It was just perfect. It had a country kind of feel to it, but it still hit like an atom bomb. And I thought, this is great. So I, I had to write that song. Right. I had to I had to write it, even though Steve Earle already written it. So I drove around <laughs> my car for a few days, and I changed the melody just enough to where I'm not really ripping him off. And then I got the music the way I wanted it, and I felt it had the same impact as what his song had. And then I just wrote those John Glenn lyrics. And to be honest, I remember driving around in the car on US-23, and the lyrics are just coming. And sometimes when they come, they come. And I got the John Glenn part. I got the Johnny Bench oh, part. Yeah. Hunter Thompson just fell right in line. And really, when I'd first written it, I thought, this is weird because this song's called John Glenn, and the first verse is about John Glenn, but then nothing else is. But then I thought, you know what? my record i can do what i want to. that's right but you talk about how those folks have built and created something that you couldn't tear down you know and they have and and that that was a very genuine thought in my head it's like if you just do something out in the world that is just so solid and you help some people or you make something good no one can take that away from you and that, that's really what's going well, on like you said that could be art whether it be right. a movie a book uh, a painting a record like this. Yeah, I mean, it's the, gonna start, you know, when you and I are long gone, people still gonna be listening to the laid back country picker, man. You think? Absolutely, they well, will. I hope so. They'll be listening to your podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I mean, you think for people my generation, Johnny Bennett's the greatest catcher to ever play baseball. And still, I, I would argue anybody over that. And he I will agree. always be the greatest catcher. You can't take that away from him. No, nope. that's where I'm going. And you can't take, you know, John Glenn's. You can't. His accomplishment, Hunter Thompson. What One of my favorite writers. Oh, he's great. Uh, Kentuckian too, by the way. That's exactly right. Yeah. Let me uh, let's let's you know we touched on your summer tour. What was uh, a show or two maybe that stood out that 
you said, man, that one was special when you got done. I'm telling you, there's two that really stand on my mind. One was at a, a place called Pappy and Harriet's, and that's in this area called Pioneer Town in California. It's up in the high right. desert. And they used to film all kinds of westerns there in the 50s. It was just a western movie set that was built. Okay. And if you can watch any of these old westerns. Junk smoke and all that type oh, yeah, of stuff. probably filmed in Pioneer Town. Yeah. But now that they don't film there anymore, they've turned, they got a bar and stuff up there. And like everybody plays there. When we went in to play Pioneer Town, on the wall is a picture of Paul McCartney there. McCartney is playing, and we look at the rug on the painting, and that rug's still on the stage. So Honey and I were standing there going, my God, we're standing on the same rug that Paul McCartney. And, you know, Billy Gibbons has done music videos up there. It's, it's just like a cool place for people to go. So to get to play Pappy and Harriet's was really a thrill. But even probably better than that is we rolled down to San Diego, and we played a place called the Casbah. You dropped the Casbah. Oh, well, we rocked the Casbah. <laughs> and let me tell you. We get down there, and the crowd's way bigger than I expected. And just when we walked out onto the stage, they just go bananas. San I'm Diego, like, California. I'm in San Diego, California. And then when we started playing the songs, they sang every song. That, like they that's knew. awesome, man. And there's a side of me going, I'm a little hillbilly from Fallsburg, Kentucky. I wrote a bunch of these goofy songs, and I'm 3,000 miles from the house, and these people know the words of my songs. And it, it was a mind blow. That's awesome, though. It was. It was a that's great That's fantastic. That, that's, that's great, man. And on top of it all... I had a former student there. Is that One right? of the kids I had in school had joined the Navy and was stationed out there. Oh, yeah, they got a big base there, And he yeah. came and saw me play, and it just took me That's killer. Yeah, it was great. So let's talk about, you know, some of the special, quote-unquote, rooms or stages that you've played on. I know I've uh, – Teresa just mentioned in her set earlier, she's – you know, y'all been to Red Rocks. Yeah. Uh, what is one, like, bucket list venue that you – God himself said, lay back, you can play a set anywhere in the world tomorrow. What would it be, man? Gosh, Brian, that's a hard question, man. Because, I mean, honestly, from from being Tyler's friend, he's already put us on, you know, we played Red Rocks, played the Ryman. Teresa got through Radio Doesn't City. Doesn't get no better than that, really. No, it's it's hard to imagine. Him. You know, I guess just trying to think of places, uh, Hollywood Bowl would be a bad gig. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that would probably be a pretty good one. Yeah, they had that big Willie Nelson shindig there over the summer, I think. Yeah, I guess where so. everybody and their brother was there doing a song. Yeah, and and that's the truth. And honestly, I, I'm hard pressed to think of what you know anywhere you you have a good venue and you got a good PA and people who want to see you perform come. That's a good venue to me, and I, I'd be glad to play any place like that. What's some of your favorite venues here in Kentucky that you that you've played? Well, I think the the granddad of all of them was kicking it on the creek. I yes. mean, there was a vibe there that, that will never be recreated. I'm lucky I was there the years I was. You know, and who knows, Byron may whip it back out someday. Hopefully so. But there's kicking on the creek. But as far as what's left out there, think about festivals, you know, John Grace is killing it down there at Laurel Cove. That's Absolutely. Just, that's beautiful, beautiful yeah. And people facility. call it the Red Rocks of the East, and it is. <laughs> yes. That, that's a beautiful place. Yeah. You know, the, as far as indoor venues, you can't beat the borough. No. People come to hear music at the borough. That's what you just mentioned, anywhere there was a stage and a tent of people. I have never been to a show there. Whether it be, you know, a local band playing to, you know, a national touring band that's sold out. No matter the genre, the people there are respectful. They're there to listen to the artist, to dance, to sing along, and have a dang good time, man. It's probably my favorite indoor venue, period, in the state of Kentucky. It is, but I'm telling you, I feel bad just saying that one name because in the back of my mind, I can think of ten other places where they're just as good and maybe they're not in as big a center as Lexington. 
but they're just nice little venues scattered all over the state. You ever played Zanzibar from, in Louisville? Uh, I did play Z Bar. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, it's it's kind of unique. It was cool. I, yeah. I enjoyed that show. So before we go, I always when I got a guest, I close out with a quick game. Okay. And you, it's just rapid fire about what was the first concert you ever remember attending. Okay, I got two answers okay. here. The first concert I ever went to was the Stanley Brothers. I mean, the Stanley Brothers. Carter was still alive. Heck but I yeah. was about two years old, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really remember. Mom and Dad <laughs> took me, but I don't remember. But you but claimed I saw that the you Stanley were there. That's right, man. The first show, and I'm talking like a major real rock show, my buddies and I, when I was still in high school, we loaded up, went to Charleston, and we saw Rush touring Ooh. right before Moving Pictures came out, and the opening band was Saxon. So the first professional band I ever saw was Saxon. They were touring Denim and Leather, and Rush was getting ready to tour Moving Pictures. They played Tom Sawyer before Tom Sawyer had come out. What is, you know, and a concert that you pay to go to that stands out and say, man, that might be the best concert I ever saw? Oh, man. I was in England, and I saw Robert Plant. Oh! I saw him in England. When was this, roughly? This would have been about 2004. Man! Right when, like, Mighty Rearranger had come out, and he was mine. And I'm just standing there going, that's Robert Plant. That's Robert Plant right there. You ever listen to that record, Raising Sand, he cut with Alice Oh, absolutely. One of the best ever. masterpiece. T-Bone Burnett, I think, produced that Yes, and what a cool sound T-Bone got. You know, I think T-Bone just blew everyone's mind there, and everybody had to have a T-Bone record all of a sudden. Well, I think he was behind the Old Brother soundtrack. Well, there you go. And they really kind of rejuvenated the bluegrass genre for a long time. I tell you what, he bought Ralph Stanley a new bus. Yeah, absolutely. Probably a new home, too. (laughs) I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, What was the last concert that you paid to go to? Probably, off the top of my head, it was probably Marty Stewart. I think we went to see Marty. Teresa, am I right? Was it Marty Stewart that the last show? Yeah. That's awesome. And let me tell you, and I'll say this, and if you're hearing my voice right now, if Marty Stewart is in concert and you can get to it if you have to walk, go, because there is not a better country band anywhere than Marty Stewart and his band. Okay, this is my last question, brother, and we'll let you go. I asked, so what would be one artist that's still alive that you, would be your dream collaboration just to maybe even just get up and jam on a song with, play guitar for him, write a song together, or whatever you wanted to do with him. Jimmy Page. There Absolutely, Jimmy Page. So what would you want? Would you want to play guitar with him? You know, that's a tough call because it's Jimmy Page. But I'd say heck yeah. I'd strap I think me on you could a keep up with him. I cannot keep up with him, but I don't care. You could damn well try. We would play custard pie for about <laughs> ten minutes. That's what we'd do. <laughs> Lay back and Jimmy Page. I think the Shady needs to get on that, see if he can't make yeah, that deal. He is. Ladies and gentlemen, the custard pie. <laughs> well, laid back, David, I, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for taking your time to sit down with me and record this interview. Uh, when I started my podcast, I wrote down like five or six names that I wanted to get to talk to, and you were at the head of the table on that. And I, It's finally happened, man. Well, Brian, i got to tell you two things. I love your podcast, and I love what you do. I appreciate but, that. But more importantly... Your sideburns are a number one. No, your sideburn are. game is great. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm I got. No, you work. have respectable sideburns. Well, I do kind of, you know, groom them a little bit. Well, I and it's noticeable. Believe it or not, I don't. <laughs> oh, is that really? Yeah, I just let them go. I think I saw a picture of yours dyed red, white, and blue at one time or another. Yeah, the, yeah, I lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, David. It's been a pleasure, man. I love you, man. Glad to be here.